0: And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards.
1: Hey there, welcome back to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool. I'm your host, Cam Edwards. All right, on the program this week, we're going to take a look at uh, why it's important to pay your bills. Also, uh, by the way, this is not me, by the way. I've learned this lesson. I learned this lesson long ago, but uh, Lee Siegel writing at the New York Times uh, on defaulting on his student loans and, and why that was such a great idea and a great decision for him. And this story just, oh, it made me see pink. And not just because I think uh, Lee Siegel may be a teeny bit communist. Uh, it was just an awful story. So we'll talk about that. Uh, on the farm itself, I, you know, I got to say, things are, things are going pretty good uh, thanks to the indomitable efforts of the uh, irrepressible Miss E. Although we have had a change, uh, we, and when I say we, I mean she, Miss E, has decided that uh, she's done milking for now. The uh, That we have so much milk in our refrigerator right now. We have so much cheese. And honestly, it's been a really busy time for me Uh, with uh, working on the book that I'm working on with Jim Garrity that I haven't been able to help around the farm as much. That's going to be changing here in a few weeks. But uh, uh, and to that end, as a matter of fact, I guess we should have a a programming note here. 40 Acres and a Fool is going to go on hiatus for a couple of weeks just until early July. I will be back. We're not stopping, but I do need to take a break for a couple of weeks uh, just so I can get some other work projects taken care of and the uh, book project wrapped up. And then uh, when that is done, we'll go back to uh, having fun with the podcast each and every week. Uh, in the meantime, I, I would still love to hear from you and what's going on with uh, your garden. The email address is 40acrefool at gmail.com. The uh, Instagram is at Cam Edwards and the uh, uh, Twitter is at Cam Edwards as well. Plus it's a uh, Cam Edwards 2A on Facebook. So so check in. I will be checking in occasionally, uh, but it is very much a nose to the grindstone couple of weeks for me. And so we'll get back to the podcast uh here in a few weeks and I'll be able to get back to doing more around the farm in a couple of weeks. But uh, Missy has just been fantastic about uh helping out and, and shouldering uh more of the load. So I do want to give a shout out to my wonderful wife for uh for everything that she's been doing here while I've been clicking away uh, at a keyboard. School is almost out for the kids, and so they'll be able to help around the farm a little bit more as well. We've got uh, less than a week. I feel kind of bad for my kids because they're changing the school calendar. Uh, and so I don't know how it was where, where you were when you grew up, but uh, in Oklahoma, where I grew up, school started in early August, early August, and then it, it got out in mid May. Always, We were always out of school before Memorial Day or right around Memorial Day. I remember that. Uh, moved to the East Coast, and what the heck is this? You start after Labor Day and you go until mid-June stuff. I was astounded by this when I was a kid and we moved from Oklahoma to New Jersey. I was used to it when we moved to Virginia a few years ago, but uh, for whatever reason, um, they're adopting the Oklahoma calendar, what I call the Oklahoma calendar. And so... Uh, the kids are going to go back to school in early August, and then next year they'll get out in mid-May. But that means they've got a, a fairly short summer vacation uh, this summer before they go back to school, uh, which you know, kind of sucks if you're a kid. I mean, you're missing out on probably you know three weeks of summer break, but uh, we'll, we'll try to make it up for them. And at some point, I'll, we'll probably take a week uh, or so off. I, I tend to do that every year um around the 1st of August that that that's typically if you if you know if you watch Cam and Company on a regular basis on uh, nra.news.com or you listen on SiriusXM Patriot uh, 125 or uh, tune in on Sportsman Channel or you know download through iTunes or listen through the iHeartRadio app oh, or available in so many places anyway um typically I take a week off in August then I take a week off around Christmas and then that's that's kind of it uh, so hopefully I will get that week off in August. Last year, I, and I never do anything. Well, I take that back. We used to go on a vacation, but now that we have critters and animals, uh, it's a staycation, and it has been for the last few years. But most of the time, I didn't mind, actually, um, because I was you know, driving back and forth uh, and staying up in D.C. for a good chunk of the week you know for the first year and a half that uh that we lived on the farm and so i was i, I didn't ever feel like i was living there full time so to a staycation was awesome um and even now I, I i that's my favorite thing to do when i take a day off is to stay at home and it's not that i sit on the couch for 18 hours and uh eat cheetos and you know binge watch john hughes movies or uh uh play Xbox until my fingers fall asleep. I mean, I'm out there, I'm working, I but I like it because I like being there. I was thinking about it actually not long ago that uh we moved to the farm in the uh, end of 2012, very end of 2012. So right around the uh, uh January 1st 2013 and since then I have uh sort of lived a a as close to a normal workaday life you know, roughly nine to five job Monday through Friday for about six months of that time period. <laughs> so I'm I'm looking forward to actually just spending some time on the farm. I feel like uh, it, I just haven't had a lot of time on the farm as of late. That's my own doing. Uh, and I love what I do. And I now know, as I said a few weeks ago, I now know that I will never write a book between January and June ever again. I will I will never do that. The first 6 months of the year are just way too busy with work and getting everything ready for the uh, the garden and planting and spring babies being born. It's just not a good time to uh to add on a book project. So I'm not going to do that again, but I am looking forward to spending some time on the farm and you know, my family, I got to say they've been awesome. Uh they are used to Odd hours is just a pitfall when uh, when your job is in the media, and not just the media. I, I shouldn't say that. Um, you know, there's no guarantee that your career is going to lead to a nine to five job. There are lots of us out there that can work some strange hours. We've got our road warriors who are gone from their families for weeks at a time. We've got our friends in the military who are and have been gone from their families in some cases for years. When you add up all of the deployments. Uh, so, you know, no matter what schedule I've worked uh, in my time in radio and TV, I think there's there really have probably only been over the years, uh, maybe two or three years where it was a nine to five job. In fact, I'll tell you a funny story uh, since we're just sort of rambling here and there's not much new going on in the farm. I'll, I'll tell you a story from uh, from my my early days in TV, actually the very early days in TV, my first job in television was a master control operator, which sounds really cool. It's the uh, it's the person that punches the buttons that makes the commercial play. And I came into TV just as uh, the technology for playing the commercials was changing, and I looked out because it used to be where you have to switch tapes for every commercial break and you had to line them all up and make sure they were ready to go. And then I came on board really like two months after the TV station. Uh, adopted non-linear editing or computer editing instead of editing on actual tape. And so everything was computerized. It was fantastic. Now, we would have to load the tapes into the computer, would have to upload, you know, into the server and everything. But uh, uh, it was the first Avid system or one of the first Avid systems to play commercials. And I came in and I didn't have to learn any of that old stuff. It was fantastic. Now I eventually taught myself. Uh, editing on three-quarter-inch tape and things like that. But my first job as a master control operator was not 9 to 5. I had, I think, an 11-hour shift one day. I had something like a – I had one day, I know there was like a four-hour shift. Uh, And then Sunday mornings at 7 a.m., I ran camera for a church service in Van Buren, Arkansas. And that was after signing off the station on Saturday night, which was – that was – not fun, I have to say. That, that of all of the you know crummy shifts when you work late and then you have to open the next day, that's a bummer. The cool thing about that job, though, even working Sunday mornings, actually, I mean, working at the, uh, as a master control operator was just was a lot of fun. You got to watch TV all day, and every now and then you have to press a button. Um, but that job running camera at a church service, I think ultimately is what got me here. Because it was the, it got me out of the TV station. It got me doing something interesting and technical, and something that I had done a little bit uh, in high school. But it was, it was cool to to start to get more experience behind the camera. And then when I wasn't the the newest of the new guys uh, at the TV station, when there was another new guy after me, I was able to move from running camera to actually directing uh, this. Church Service, which we recorded each and every week and then would play back the uh the following sunday i I was really young to be doing this, but uh I was a the only one who showed any interest <laughs> of all of the camera people uh b I was semi-competent and the uh, the person who was directing at the time uh, understood this and see if I started directing, then he got to sleep in on Sunday mornings and he didn't have to show up anymore. So I very quickly uh, moved from running camera to actually directing this multi-camera shoot on Sunday morning. That was really cool. And I, I got to do a little bit more production and a little bit more elaborate production. I started helping on TV commercials and and that really, it was really, it was getting up Sunday morning uh, and going to work that sort of, again, put me where I am today because it got me interested in TV as a career. Uh, eventually, I went to Oklahoma City and uh, I switched over to the news side and got to work my first graveyard shift. Uh, so, you know, it's interesting. I guess I'm thinking about this because Jim, the book that Jim and uh, I are working on. Uh, is called Heavy Lifting, and it's, in essence, why it's good to grow up. That's why I've got Lee Siegel on the mind as well, because of this uh, his column about refusing to pay back his student loans. In fact, why don't we take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about this piece in the New York Times, Lee Siegel and why he defaulted on his student loans and why you should, too. Snowflakes, stick
0: around. There's much more 40 Acres and a Fool coming up right after this. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. You don't want to be in the Middle East? Fine. But if we're going to be in the Middle East, kick ass. Use every item at your disposal, up to
1: and including nuclear weapons, or don't fight the war. That's why you have the things.
0: Use them. If you think it's worth fighting, use them. If not, don't fight the war. The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday mornings, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to 40
1: Acres and a Fool. I'm your host, Cam Edwards. And uh, an off-farm topic here. This has been driving me crazy for days, if you listen regularly to NRA News, Cam & Company, you know I've been talking about this. I have a, still have more to say about Lee Siegel uh, and his piece in the New York Times, Why I Defaulted on My Student Loans. Now, Lee Siegel is no precious snowflake. Well, let me take that back. He may be the elder snowflake. Uh, he's not a millennial. We're not talking about some 23, 24-year-old. Lee Siegel was born in 1957. He's uh, been a writer for a long, long time. And it's all because he says he defaulted on his student loans. Yep. Uh, he says, by the end of my sophomore year at a small private liberal arts college, my mother and I had taken out a second student loan. My father had declared bankruptcy. My parents had divorced. My mother could no longer afford the tuition that these student loans weren't covering. I transferred to a state college in New Jersey closer to home. Years later, he says, I found myself confronted with a choice that too many people have had to and will have to face. I could give up what had become my vocation in my case, being a writer, and take a job that I didn't want in order to repay the huge debt I had accumulated in college and graduate school. Or, Lee Siegel writes in the New York Times, I could take what I had been led to believe was both the morally and legally reprehensible step of defaulting on my student loans, which was the only way I could survive without wasting my life in a job that had nothing to do with my particular usefulness to society. I chose life, Lee Siegel writes. That is to say, I defaulted on my student loans. As difficult as it has been, Lee Siegel says he's never looked back And the millions of young people today, he says, may want to consider his example. Please, for the love of God and country, do not... Do not follow Lee Siegel's example. Because what Lee Siegel did was steal. He stole people's money. He ended up stealing taxpayer money. He took money that he didn't repay. Why? Because it might have meant taking a job that didn't give him the satisfaction that he desired. Well, tough crap, Lee. You wussed out. You didn't choose life. You chose yourself. And there's just something awful about the, the, the look at me. What a good boy am I attitude that uh, Lee Siegel possesses over his decision to default on his college loans. He writes, am I a deadbeat? In the eyes of the law, I am. And different to the claim that repaying student loans is the road to character? Yes. Blind to the reality of countless numbers of people struggling to repay their debts, no matter their circumstances, many worse than mine, my heart goes out to them. To my mind, they have learned to live with a social arrangement that is legal but not moral. Oh, I see. Well, we're it's a, it's you know what it's Lee's world. We're just living in it, right? Lee, I don't know if Lee actually knows anybody, uh, who has worked there. Tail off in a job that didn't necessarily define them as a career, in order to pay not just student loans but other bills. But I do know somebody, and I know a writer. In fact, I know a damn good writer uh, who has done this, and I've taken the occasion to uh, to, to mention uh, Chris Fisher on uh, a couple of occasions on NRA News Cam and Company. Chris is a friend of mine. I met him after we moved to the 40 Acres. He's one of the uh, amazing people that you can meet uh, when you move out to what you think is the middle of nowhere, right? And then all of a sudden you discover it's not the middle of nowhere. In fact, it's, uh, it may not be home to many people, but the people that are here are really, really interesting. And everybody, again, everybody's got a great story. Chris has uh, more than one great story. Uh, but the first one that he has put to paper is a book called A History of Stone and Steel. You can find it at Amazon. I'm telling you right now, you should buy it. You really, really should buy this book. It is fantastic. And Chris is Chris is a, a guy. He's like the anti Lee Siegel. And I hope that I don't embarrass Chris by uh, talking about um, what I know of Chris. But you know, Chris is a guy. He also went to college to be a writer, including master's degree. And Chris has always, always done what he needed to do, worked whatever job he needed to work legally uh, in order to pay his bills and in order to meet his obligations. You know, he's got a great wife. He's got a wonderful family, some amazing kids. Uh, He's got his house in the country and he's raising chickens, but he's worked for it. And he's worked hard for it. He's driven forklifts. He's worked uh, in apple orchards. He's uh, worked as a a mail carrier uh, in order to put food on his table and a roof over his family's head and to, yes, pay his student loans. Because when you have an obligation, you fulfill it. That's one of the – you know, Lee Siegel writes that – Well, you know, I I think I could default on my student loans because uh, this, this is a social arrangement that we've come to that is legal but not moral. Cheating is not moral. Stealing is not moral. Saying that you will pay someone back and then reneging on that is not moral. And again, most of us know this. Lee Siegel, with all of his education... His multiple degrees that apparently he earned for free, they didn't teach him this. Thou shalt not steal. Now, Lee Siegel says he's working on a new book uh, about finance, actually. Should be fascinating. I probably won't read it. A memoir about money. Yeah, Great. Uh, only if I want to intentionally get myself outraged would I buy Lee Siegel's memoir about money. In fact, I don't even think I, I know I wouldn't buy it. Maybe rent, uh, check it out from the library. But I'll tell you again, you want a good story told by a guy who didn't take the easy way out? Uh, go to Amazon.com and look for A History of Stone and Steel by Christopher Fisher. Again it is uh, it's a great book. I felt so bad <laughs> when I read Chris's book and I told him I said this was amazing I said I read this in seven hours because I'm a fast reader and when I when I find something that I like I really I can't put it down at any given opportunity I'll pick it up I'll read a couple of pages I just have to keep going and that's the way it was with the history of stone and steel and I don't read a lot of fiction. Uh, 99% of what I read is history, current events, biography. Uh, I, I kind of got bored with fiction a few years ago. And I, again, I couldn't put this book down. It was just incredible. And so I told him, I said, I read this in seven hours. And Christopher looked at me and said, well, yeah, you know, it took me a lot longer than that to write. Ah. And I I realized, yeah, I, I know. And so I tried to tell him, no, no, this was a compliment. And I have since gone back and reread. Uh, a history of stone and steel. A couple of times, as a matter of fact, uh, and it is just as good now. I slow down and I I can savor it, but I, I don't just immediately turn the page, wanting to know what's what's happening next. But it is one of those books uh, that the first time you read it, you can't put it down. It is gripping. It is not it is not a a you know action packed thriller, uh, but it is a gripping story that you have to see. How it ends, well, at the same time, you don't want to see uh the story, and it's one of those books that, as you keep reading, you're like, oh no, it's I'm almost through, oh no, oh no, just a few more pages left, and you're 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 not exactly happy about that. It's a high compliment for a book, by the way, it's again, a history of Stone and Steel by Christopher Fisher, who I am proud to call my friend, All right, when we come back here on this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool. We've got more from the
0: 40 Acres. Stick around. We'll be right back right after this. This is 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka.
1: Now that we know Jeb Bush is going to throw his family hat into the ring on June 15th, you wonder, could Mitt Romney come back in? I'm going on record as saying,
0: I wouldn't mind seeing Mitt step in to just see how all that mixed up. Pure Opelka, Saturdays, 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. It's the show where we could talk until the cows come home,
1: literally. You could probably actually hear them in the background. Uh, but they're not here right now. They're, uh, they, they've wandered off for the past couple of days. They're in another pasture. So we are cow-free right now. Still have lots of goats in our uh our bacon seeds are coming right along. They are just getting bigger and healthier and happier by the day. Uh, they are loving life right now, and and we've got the uh, their wallow set up. and They lay in the mud, and uh, the girls are are in heat at the moment, and the um, the fellas are fixed. So it's kind of problematic uh, for the for the females right now. Poor. Uh, the ham bone was laying there last night when I uh pulled in, and he had uh one of the American guinea hogs snuggled up against his belly, and he had another American guinea hog who was trying to climb on top of him. and He's just trying to sleep, he, uh, he didn't want any of it. So, everybody uh, everybody's doing really well, and uh, you know, the garden is looking good, the uh, tomatoes are coming in, the beets are. The beats are are huge uh, again, I think we talked about this last week. I'm still amazed at how big our early wonder beats are. We had I guess the difference between last year and this year is that we just had way too many beats in our we didn't thin them out enough uh, and we did a much better job of thinning out the beats this year. and so I was really surprised at how big the early wonder beats uh, have gotten. They were last year they were almost um gosh, maybe golf ball size. They were really pretty small, and now they're uh, they're close to baseball size right now. So it's 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 a good thing we like beets because we're eating a lot of them. We also found uh, where the uh, bacon seeds were housed last fall. <laughs> uh, they're now they've now been moved right to a new part of the uh, the pasture, and where they were, we have pumpkins growing we have squash growing uh and we found at least six tomato plants where the uh, pigs used to be just it growing in the grass Uh, i'm not sure we fed the pigs squash and pumpkin and tomatoes so i'm not sure uh if this was just you know seeds that that uh got stomped into the ground and germinated or if this went through the digestive process and uh, came out the other side intact uh this happened the first spring after we started raising bacon seeds as well we used that first year that we had pigs uh, we actually had them in the garden and we moved them all around the garden uh, until it came time to send them off to freezer camp and then the next year the garden was fertilized and it was fantastic Uh, if we didn't have raised garden beds i would do that again but i don't want to dig out dozens of more raised garden beds nor do i want to have the argument with missy about whether or not we should have raised garden beds or not because i lost that argument and i don't want to refight that war i've i've accepted defeat in that regard um but yeah it was really kind of cool so now we have uh some random tomato plants growing in another part of the uh, uh the farm and i'm very curious to see uh, if these pumpkins come up and what kind of pumpkins they are, because we grew several types of pumpkins last year uh, and they ended up taking over most of our garden. We we did not grow pumpkins the right way that they should be grown separately. The vines are really long and they will take over. We ended up having no carrots. It was just this huge viney mess uh, that, that took over really a, probably a good quarter of our garden. And now I, I'm kind of curious to see what we have growing up. Uh, there's so many different varieties of pumpkins and we had some pie pumpkins and we had some carving pumpkins. And then we, uh, we had one kind, I think it, it wasn't the, it wasn't the giant Atlantic cause those are enormous, but we did have some, uh, a kind that was supposed to grow, you know, 40 or 50 pounds. We never got anything that big. Uh, but hopefully we uh, will have some squash and some pumpkins to eat this fall as well. Actually, we'll probably end up feeding a lot of this back to the hogs. Uh, and I am also kind of curious to see what kind of tomato plants are coming up because we fed them a little bit of everything. Not all of our plants, you know, came back. So, uh, hopefully, I, it would be it would be remarkable if the tomatoes that we uh, didn't get to grow this year were the ones that were growing randomly where the pigs used to be. I realized what a, an astounding coincidence that would be. But uh, I'm keeping my fingers crossed for Juliet's and... Uh, I think those are the two that uh, that we need. So keep my fingers crossed. I know they'll be fairly small tomatoes because we didn't feed uh, the big beefsteak tomatoes to the pigs. The rabbits got most of those instead. We didn't get to eat a lot of them either. But I love the random discoveries like that on the farm. Like when we first moved. Uh, and we found the place in October, and we moved in the dead of winter. I think I said, you know, we 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 just the first spring, we just had no idea what we had, and oh wow, look, there are fruit trees now. We didn't uh, the fruit trees had some issues, so we didn't get any fruit from the fruit trees. But I remember being excited about them, uh, discovering that these weren't just random bushes, but they were blueberry bushes. Whoa, cool! And the blackberries everywhere. Wow! So it was still that. It's it's cool to have been. Here now for two and a half years and to still have those moments of discovery where you're walking along and all of a sudden the unexpected is there, you know, whether it's a deer uh, off in the woods or random pumpkins where your pigs used to be. We've got uh, much more 40 Acres and a Fool on the way. You never know what undiscovered treasures might be just around the corner here. So stick around. You won't know unless you stick around to find out. We'll be right back right after this.
0: 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Coming up today on Pat and Stew. Now that's a little bit closer to denying the link to CO2 and climate change, and is denying the link between Bill Nye and being a scientist because he's not one. He's not. He uh, he is not one. He's He's an engineer. He's not a guy. He's he's an old man. He's a science, he's a science-esque guy. Pat and Stew, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards returns now on the Plays Radio Network. Welcome back. It's 40 Acres and a Fool. I'm your
1: host, Cam Edwards. Don't forget, while we are on hiatus here on the farm for the next couple of weeks, you can still tune in each and every day to NRA News, Cam and Company, and I will be there. Uh, You can also follow along on Twitter. I will occasionally be tweeting over the next couple of weeks, but probably not a lot. It's at Cam Edwards. Uh, We will have A few pictures posted on the Instagram account, uh, probably me sitting in front of a computer typing a lot. Uh, We'll we'll have a lot of those pictures on my Instagram account, which is also at Cam Edwards. Uh, And we'll we'll be back. We will. I promise you, we will be back with more episodes of 40 Acres and a Fool coming up in early July. But in the meantime, if you want to help me out while I am working on the project, the book project with my friend Jim Garrity, I would love to get your thoughts on this. You know, the uh, you can find the pre-order page now for Heavy Lifting, uh, which is the name of the book. And you can just go to Amazon.com and uh, you can find the site for Heavy Lifting by Jim Garrity and Cam Edwards, uh, which is coming out in late October of this year. Not just Amazon, Books-a-Million, BarnesandNoble.com, it's all there. The uh, the overview uh, of this book, What's happened to men in America? Once upon a time, men in their 20s looked forward to settling down and having children. Today, most young men seem infected by a widespread Peter Pan syndrome, unwilling to give up the freedom to sleep late, play video games, dress like a slob and play the field. Today's men wallow in an extended adolescence, ostensibly unaware that they're setting themselves up for a depressing, lonely existence. All right. Now, look, and I understand not every effect. I know this. Not every young man in his 20s is like this. Um and there are some challenges there really are some challenges that young men in their 20s face today that were not as bad uh let's say even 10 years ago the great recession has uh knocked everybody for a loop uh in in their own ways and millennial men uh have had to deal with uh, some of this in terms of their employment aspects and that has I, I think uh, caused a sense of, well, we have to delay adulthood. So we get into this. We have some fun uh, talking about, you know, why it is good to grow up. And despite all the challenges that are out there, when you're talking about starting out in your early 20s, I don't, I don't care if you're a, a man or a woman. It sucks. Generally speaking, to start out in life, right? I mean, you don't have everything you want. You don't have anything close to having everything that you want. And it is a struggle to pay the bills. We go back to Lee Siegel's piece about, oh, you know, if I I had had to pay off my student loans, I would have had to go work retail. I would have had to go work in a shoe store. Maybe I'd be a district manager by now. Maybe you would have been. Or maybe you would have worked for a few years. You would have paid off your student loans. You would have uh, written some stuff on the side. You would have uh, found a a way to uh, make some extra money that could have gone to pay off your student loans. And maybe by the time you were 28, 29, 30, maybe you could have been at a point where you could have embraced being a writer full time and you would have fulfilled your obligations. Because that's what a lot of people in their early 20s do. You know, they 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 struggle and they push themselves and they work two jobs. I mean, I'm thinking of my own kids at the moment right now, Lee Siegel, Elder Snowflake, and they get it done. Right. And that's a good feeling in and of itself. I mean, this is one of the, the things that I think Jim and I want to explore is that there are obvious advantages and obvious uh, joys and. Uh, wonderful times that come from being an adult, but there are also some, some minor pleasures you never even think about. Like if I, if I were to tell my 12 year old self self, there's going to come a day where you're going to finish cleaning your room and, and actually you're going to, you're going to want to clean your room because it's dirty, <laughs> right? And you want it to be clean. Uh, my 12 year old self would have looked at me like I was insane. Uh, I was a very, very messy 12 year old, but, and I'm not, listen, don't get me wrong here. I'm not, uh, uh, my, my home is not ready for the cameras from HGTV to show up anytime soon. Right. I need at least 24 hours notice, but on occasion, I do actually now get to the point where I'm like, okay, I can't take this anymore. Uh, and, and we clean up, right. And we don't actually let it get that bad, but, uh, my twelve year old self and my forty year old self are very different people. my twelve year old self, my twenty one year old self, very different people my twenty three year old self when I got married and became a father, uh, and my thirty three year old self were very different people. But from the time that you know I was twenty three I was a dad, I was a husband, and I was working in my career of uh, radio and television, which is, That's a a fairly early age to to be doing all of those things. And I understand that. But it was the best decision I ever made. Growing up was the best thing that I ever did. And that's what I hope that uh, we can talk about and we can share in the new book, the upcoming book, Heavy Lifting, which you can uh, find available for pre order at your favorite booksellers website. And as we uh, head out again for a couple of weeks, I would love your help with this book. Uh, the email address is 40acrefool at gmail.com. And I'd love to hear from you your thoughts on everything from what you see uh, from young men in their 20s. And if you're a young man in your 20s and you hate this uh, this this generalization of the precious snowflake millennial who doesn't want to work, who doesn't want to get married, if if you buck that trend, let me know. I want to hear from you. I, w- I would love to hear your story. Uh, if you're a parent or a grandparent, of a young man in this age range i'd love to hear uh, your stories as well i'd love to hear you talk about your kids and your grandkids the challenges that they're facing uh what they hope to achieve what they feel is holding them back i, I just love to get your perspective on this so uh, again the email address is 40 gmail at com. thank you again for tuning in to this edition and we will talk with you here on 40 Acres in a Fool, in a few weeks, we will uh, talk to you each and every weekday, of course, on NRA News, Cam & Company, sponsored by Nosler. You can find us online, live, 2 p.m. Eastern, each and every weekday at nranews.com. Also, midnight Eastern, 9 Pacific, on Sirius XM Patriot 125, uh, on uh, Sportsman Channel at 5 p.m. Eastern, each and every weekday. And also, through your uh, iHeartRadio app through the nra app and available on itunes as well have a uh, fantastic couple of weeks everybody and we will talk to you here soon with another edition of 40 acres and a fool until then be safe have fun live a little learn a lot you know it by now right uh and we will uh, talk to you here again soon
0: on 40 acres and a fool 40 acres and a fool with cam edwards on the blaze radio network